0: Hey what is up y'all welcome back to another episode and in this one we got my girl Brooke Pancake LPGA Tour player and Brooke is an absolute rock star Uh, had an incredible career at Alabama she actually went to Baylor High School which is where my academy is located um, and have some good relationships with them so I'm really excited to talk to Brooke about her journey we're gonna tell some stories and just really talk about and you know break down performance so let's get into it Hey, what's up? I'm your host, Kyle Drink, and we're going Beyond the Swing. Hey, Brooke.
1: Hey, can you hear me? Sorry, I was making sure it was all set up.
0: Yeah, no, all good. How are you?
1: Hey, I'm doing well. How are you doing?
0: Just fantastic. Good. I appreciate you coming on and doing this.
1: Oh, I mean, I'm just really happy that you asked. I love this. I love telling stories. I love talking about golf, obviously. It's in my family. It's in my blood. So I'm all here for it.
0: Awesome. Well, you know, I I try to always get a good, you know, background. Um, I was reading through your Alabama stuff. I'm just going to read it through like verbatim here because it's pretty impressive. Um, but one part that kind of stuck out on this thing, where was it? Um, hold on. I thought I had it bookmarked. Hmm. There was one part that was talking about how you hit like 90% of fairways or something. You're like the best (laughs) driver in the game. That's, that's paraphrasing.
1: I do have a plaque. Um, there's a, a statistic. I don't know if it's broken yet. Um, yes, it, it has followed me. Actually, my husband just played in the USAM qualifier, um, with a guy that just graduated from Alabama. And he was like, I heard that your wife holds this record. Um, yeah. And the funny story about that is throughout my career um, at Bama, I only missed like tour fairways and regulation. That could be a little bit off, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was. And the, one of them was a pop up. So um, <laughs> I didn't even get it there. So, um, but I did par the hole. So that was fair. I do remember that.
2: But that's
0: pretty yes. wild. I mean, it was golf's definitely one of my strength. easier. Yeah. Golf's got to be a little bit easier when you're in the fairway, the whole game.
1: Yes. It, um, I look back and, uh, my strong suit had always been, you know, driving, driving, driving accuracy. I think every player has this part of their game. That's one thing that they kind of have this like innate confidence with and driving was mine. So, you know, it's that one thing where it was like, if it was a little off, then it could kind of, you know, fizzle through the rest of my game. But, that was always one of my strengths that I wanted to definitely hold on to. um, And obviously, you know, got me on to, you know, bigger and better things on tour and everything.
0: Absolutely. So here's like the broadest question for you ever. It's like, how did you get there? (laughs) (laughs) Like, What made you such a good driver? Like what, I mean, how was, I guess, you know, what Um, what led up to that?
1: I could be, I could go into all the technical stuff, um, obviously in today's game, but I had great people put in front of me from a very young age, you know, that said that like, let's, you know, kind of own in on your strengths and, you know, really dive into that. I, um, was never someone that was going to be like the longest on tour, um, or like at level, I mean, I was definitely long enough and, um, that was (laughs) the one thing when I did get to tour, you know, a lot of professionals always say like, you know, don't, tinker with what you're what got you here what made you great because I wanted to get on tour and you know become this like powerhouse and all the things and kind of got away from what got me there to begin with but I would say that I just really practiced in on that and knew that that was a strength and, and wanted to kind of I was never someone that really hit up on the ball very well with a driver um, that's like one thing um, so iron distance control and just kind of having that like narrow spread with my driver was like my go-to. I, uh, wasn't someone that was like, Hey, I really need to move the ball a lot. Like I could hit a little draw. I could hit a little fade when I needed to, but I really just kind of would pick very specific targets. And that's what I would go with.
0: I mean, it seems, it seems so easy as you level up. Um, and I don't, I don't want to like sound like I'm throwing Luke down under the bus, but I mean, you know, he was got to number one in the world you know, was not a long hitter, great short game, you know, and people started getting his ears saying, you know, you got to start hitting it further, you know? So he flips up his whole game trying to do that. And then, I mean, you know, he's obviously not number one in the world anymore. So it's like, was, was that, I mean, is that something that you kind of faced? I mean, where people like, look, you're so good at driving it. Let's strengthen up other areas of your game.
1: Um, I feel like almost every professional athlete can say they've been hit with this um, on you know, that was, I was hit with that, like right when I got out on tour, um, you're kind of hit with like all this amazing, you know, I, when I got out on tour, I was staffed with Callaway and it was like, you know, they wanted me to put all the new stuff in the bag and I had, you know, was already really comfort, comfortable and confident with that, but I kind of felt like I had to. So there was a little bit of that adjustment, putting like new stuff in the bag. Um, kind of fresh and new out there. And, you know, there was this big push specifically on the LPGA tour, you know, you can see a direct correlation that like some of the longest on that tour are top on the money list, you know, and a lot of our majors are kind of geared towards that. Um, Like, I, I know that a lot of the US Open that I played, if you, you know, they would, put a lot of the trouble at certain landing spot zones, usually kind of at like the average, um, like driving distances, like a lot of the bunkers. Um, and that was kind of like always where I was. And it was like, gosh, if I could get, you know, like that five or 10 extra carry, you know, there is this huge leg up. So, um, you know, when I got with my new swing coach, that was like a big part of it, but you know, right when I kind of geared in that direction, I was really struggling mentally Um, and I've always been good about like finding like a, you know, getting my goal, getting my direction and coming up with a plan to get there. But that was the one time on tour where I felt pretty lost because it was fizzling through my entire game. Like I was wanting to learn how to like, you know, hit up and get some, a little bit more speed. I wasn't really trying to be something that I wasn't, but I knew that there was a little bit of untapped power there. But at the same time, I was kind of losing a little bit of my distance control with my irons and, um, you know, when you're playing as much as you are out there on tour, you know, there isn't like that time like you do in college where you can kind of step away and reevaluate mm-hmm. and kind of get ready for that next event. Like you're out there and you're in it, um, especially with me when I was, you know, I had to play in as many events as I could, you know, I was earned earn the money did I hadn't, you know, built up the, the resume yet to kind of pick and choose the events I wanted to play. But yeah, I definitely was getting away to what got me there. And I think almost everybody at some point, kind of taps into that. And it's kind of like, I, you know, the, the funny thing is, is I literally just gave this advice to somebody that was getting out of college and, you know, has a rock star collegiate experience. And they're like, what is some advice? And I'm like, you need to just own what you're really, really good at and make it great. Like you, you can look at your stats and look at little areas that you can improve of like player developmentally, but never really lose that strength because your confidence is really tied in with that as well.
0: Yeah. I mean, I always try to look at like what the greats do. I mean, it's easy to do, but I mean, yeah, y- you know, you look at the greatest people of all time, never really changed much. They just got really good at what they did. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? Arguably Tiger did that, but I mean, every time Tiger made a swing change, it took him two and a half years to win again. Like yeah. people really forget that, but they think that, you know, if I go just, you know, work on my swing, I should get it. And a couple weeks and be good. And I just think, I just think the golf world has such and juniors, especially these days have such a false reality of, you Mm -hmm. know, what it takes to kind of get to that elite level. I mean, you know, what's the percentage of actually making a tour? It's probably even smaller, but you know, even playing just high level college golf, it's like, you gotta be realistic about what it takes to get there. And it's, it's like hard to shift through that social media narrative almost.
1: It's extremely challenging. I, um, I, there is that like expectation management, and there's so much. I feel like there's like so much information out there to where there's that fine balance. I mean, when we talk about like junior golfers. You know, both of us have this passion in it, and it's like you do have to find that balance of just like really enjoying and loving what you do instead of you know kind of tapping into like information overload and I have to get to X, you know, Y and Z, and 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 do all these things. Um, there's such a high level of that like kind of like burnout, and I mean, they're basically playing. You know, many professional lives as you know these junior players to kind of get to these um, elite levels. But yeah, it's you have to just own what you are really, really good at, and you know, have fun and be encouraged and have that confidence in it. And I, it's crazy because I was never somebody that grew up and it was like I want to be on the LPGA. And I, my grandfather started me really late. I have three sisters. Um, and he's just, a, he was a sports fanatic and loved golf, got, you know, like the golf bug late when, in retirement, you know, self-taught himself. And I just love spending time with him and went out and I, you know, kind of had that competitive fire me. I and mean, I do have that competitive fire in me. So like I was learning the game, you know, playing and hustling these old men and um, just had a lot of fun with it. And I feel like I was always surrounded by people that were better than me, even, you know, like uh, being at Baylor high school at that time, it was incredible. There was a lot of, you know, incredible players at that point that I could kind of like, you know, see what was the next level, like, where did I need to get? And I could see how they were practicing and, you know, what was kind of like that next level on the, in the, in the game for me. And it was just such a joy. Um, and I think that was like one thing that helped me get there. Like I look back and I had the right people put in my life and I had the right people pushing me. So then like, I, you know, I was here at Baylor and I kind of, you know, had that competitiveness and I knew that I got, to had to figure out how to be the best at this level. And then, you know, I went to Alabama and I wanted to quickly learn how to become the best at that level. And that was when I learned that was like, yeah, like I've, I want to play professionally. I want to see where this goes. And then, you know, having a great collegiate experience and career, then that's when, you know, I went out and was like, I'm going to go to Q school and and see how that goes. And um, I was, I was definitely someone that was like, I wanted to kind of see where my level, see where I stood, kind of be thrown into the wolves a little bit there and kind of be pushed in that way and, and figure out how to be the best at every level that I was put at.
0: I mean, so, you know, the age old debate's always like, you know, how much do you push as a parent, you know, versus, yeah. is it on the kid is like, you know, do the kids just or the juniors have just have that naturally? Like, so, I mean, what was, what was your upbringing? Like, I mean, were you kind of pushed into it or was it something that you just were like, yo, I really like this. And, um, you know, I'm just going to see, it. you know, I guess, so how did that kind of competitiveness, um, transpire in you? <laughs>
1: I always have been competitive since like a very early age. Um, But I will say that I was pushed a little bit um, to, but at the great, like at a great level, Um, that's such a, you know, I kind of get asked that, especially from like parents. And I mean, it is, that is a hard balance. And I think it kind of comes down to like, knowing, knowing your child a little bit. I I mean, I had a, I come to Jesus talk with my mom (laughs) when I was in high school, because, you know she kind of laid it out for me. I was, you know, playing really well and I was playing a lot of tournaments, but at the same time I was like, Hey, I want to be a a kid. I saw my friends going on vacations. And, you know, I I think I had gotten asked to go like to the beach with one of my friends and I had like a tournament. And that was when I kind of had that talk. And I mean, my mom like kind of sat me down and was like, look, like, you know, this is something that you know, this is like such a a God-given talent for you and you have this in you and we can see it probably more than you can. And we're, as your parents going to provide every avenue for you to be successful in it. But at some point you're going to have to want it and put the work into it. Cause if you want to, you say you want to get here, well, this is like a point where you have to learn that like, there are going to be sacrifices to get where you want to get. And I, I I remember having that talk and it, you know, it hit me when I was at that age where I was like, yeah, like that is really what I want. I want that more than, you know, this, this beach trip. So I think that the way that she had worded it to me, kind of put it in my corner to make, like, for me to know that, you know, I probably like a little reverse psychology on me as as a parent, but um, she did say that and I mean we get asked a lot like what do you think about playing multiple sports and all that stuff and I'm like you know like college coaches do like to see that you play multiple sports like you can learn so many great things and attributes about sports um, you know different things from the different sports but I think as a parent if you do have that conversation with them being like you know the percentages for you to be able to play multiple sports in college at like the same university you know I don't want to say it's impossible but you know it's really slim. So like, if you do want to play in college and you do want to have that experience, like which sport would you want to play? And I think if you kind of lay it out for them, um, at the right time, then they can kind of make that decision for them. But I mean, my grandfather, there was one winner, um, where we at, at Baylor, if you were on the golf team, um, we didn't have like golf in the winter. So we did, um, like winter intramurals or something, and it was like snowing or super cold. And, that day or that week we were supposed to like run. And I was like, I don't want to run this call. <laughs> so they had like <laughs> volleyball tryouts. Um, and I was like, I've never played volleyball. I'm not going to make the team like it's fine. Like it's better than be running out in the snow. And I ended up making the team and <laughs> I had a great experience, but my mom and my grandfather were like, you're going to jam all your fingers and all the things. Um, but that was my that was my multi sport winter right there.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice. I mean, I had this like exact conversation, I mean, to almost verbatim with a player the other day. You know, this whole got invited to a beach, I'm missing friends' birthdays, parties. Mm-hmm. Um, my question is the thing that always drives me crazy is it, does it have to be one or the other? You know, I think that, and you know, again, you're, you made it to the tour, I didn't. So <laughs> I'm valuing what you say, <laughs> but. Um I I just think especially these days that people are overworking themselves and I think that attributes to a lot of early injury but I yeah. mean do we really need to be out there 8 hours a day I don't think so I don't know are You talking about at that
1: junior level like
0: I, I mean even even the professional level it's like if you're to me if you're efficient and you're really structured and disciplined in the work yeah. you put in you really shouldn't have to do that I mean I was you know I was talking to Jaeger about this and we were talking practice structure And, you know, he cut his way down to like an hour and a half or two hours. Like if I just go through my checklist, um, I'm good. Like, I know I'm good. I got my, you know, I'm where I need to be. But if, you know, if you're just out there and you're just hitting, sudden you start hitting it bad and then you're just out there reacting to that, fixing it. And you're just spending hours on the range, just trying to fix the, whatever it is that day, I think we get lost and that's good work, but is it?
1: No, I'm definitely, and you know, I think that that's also learned and like maturity in the game too. I think that, I mean, I can speak for myself in the sense that my first year on tour, um, I was like at the point of like complete burnout because I felt like I needed to do something different than, you know, like I put in more um and you know you feel like you kind of a catch-up you know being like a rookie out there haven't seen the courses so I was playing you know and then and then in my situation they were putting me in a lot of like pro-ams and stuff um for the tour and so like I was just like overload and I was never able to get like mentally refreshed by the time like the, the Thursday tea time started like I was playing 18 holes on Monday and then doing the 18 hole program on Wednesday and, and if I could get another 18 and practice and all the other you know like tour meetings and requirements and stuff that we had by that point it was it was like way too much um and at this point now and that's like the big thing I like to tell people is like you do have to like if you can go to the course with a plan and you know and this takes grooming of like how what what type of practice what style what you know things are the things that kind of build your confidence and like, are your checkpoints for your fundamentals and your game to where you can walk away saying like, Hey, I did get better today. Um, and I did, you know, check off these things. So you can have that like growing confidence. Um, you know, like it it could be social media. It could be other things where there is this just like standard that's put out there to where you feel like you have to put in like more hours than them to get to this level. And that's not necessarily the case. I feel like if you're out there hitting golf balls all the time, like, you do easily get into that tinkering mindset to where you can like, I mean, at some point, like your body just gets tired. So you're going to have certain misses just because of like that fatigue element too. So then it's easier for your mind to kind of slip and like, I don't know, there's just so many elements. I, I definitely got to the point to where I was, I'm very much like Steven Yeager, where I wanted to be way more efficient. Um, with my practice. And I knew that was way better for me than just, you know, being out there and hitting for three hours and then going through wedges and then, you know, doing all like the putting drills. I think that there's something really valuable in having a very, you know, structured, fundamental practice.
0: Well, hashtag the grind, Brooke. Isn't that what it's all about?
1: (laughs) The grind. (laughs) I I mean, I did it big time. I mean, my husband, Derek was like, wow. I," You know, you definitely set the bar high for like the amount of hours that you put out there. But I, I was, you know, grueling myself into, you know, a really, I, and I think I was trying to, you know, I, I think I went out there and I missed like a bunch of cuts by one in a row and, and that kind of feeds mm-hmm. it to it too. You know, where I, like I was just kind of getting into that like mental cycle of um, just finding any, anything to get out, I guess.
0: This show is brought to you by Mental Golf Type and if you haven't heard of Mental Golf Type yet then you need to go to mentalgolftype.com and check this out because this is an incredible powerful mental game and performance system that you can implement very easily because it is tailored to how you and how you are mentally wired. So some of the questions you might have had along the way of why can i perform great on practice why do i hit it great on the range and i go on the course and it's something totally different why am i inconsistent why can i score so well one day and the next is something totally different well all those questions have to do with how you are mentally wired how you are using your mental energy how you're seeing targets how you're making decisions this is all stuff that has to do with your mental golf type, and you could take your free assessment and figure out a lot of things really quick for absolutely free at mentalgolftype.com. So, you definitely want to get over there and check that out because I can't even imagine trying to coach players without knowing that information. Um, so, again, check out mentalgolftype.com, you won't regret it. Now, let's get to that show. Well, and it's interesting too because it's like when you're putting that time in, if you're already one of the best drivers out there it's like how much better can you actually get at it so at what Mm -hmm. point is it just like yo i just need to just check that i can maintain this you know i know i'm a great driver of the ball i got my confidence there and it's like you know just finding i guess those little details to clean up but you know a lot of times at that level i mean i'm sure you can attest but it's probably more just how you are emotionally you know how your Mm -hmm. self-image is at that point um and some of just more of the personal sides i mean to me you know, especially on that, that higher level, but especially in the junior level, I mean, the self image is really one of the biggest kickers that I see, you know, if somebody's not really believing that they can shoot, you know, a low enough score to compete, but you know, they're getting upset because they're not scoring those. Well, I'm like, well, there's a mismatch there because you're great in practice. You have the shots. I mean, like these people can't hit better shots than you, you know, that they mm-hmm. can't put better than you, but they're scoring better because they essentially have that, that more, conditioned self-confidence
1: yeah and then there's that like do you get your conditioned self-confidence when it comes to like you know you want to learn how to get that in your practice and not have to have it validated all the time with shooting certain scores I mean every athlete's going to go through that I mean that's just why golf is so incredible I mean you're going to go through highs and lows and slumps and when you're in the slumps, you're like wow things were so easy when you're here riding that confidence and you're just Mm -hmm doing everything that you can to kind of get that back. Um, but a lot of the personal stuff really like um kind of fizzles into it. You know, I I can look back and it's so easy when you're kind of like, you know, now on maternity leave removed from it and see all the things um that, you know, where I was, you know, mentally holding myself back or certain areas. And you know, when I had my back injury, I could see it. And then when I got back, it was very easy for me to quickly go back into those kind of um habits of needing certain validations. Um but yeah, I mean, I guess that's why sports psychologists are paid so
2: much too.
0: <laughs> well I mean it's there's, I mean there's I think there's that component in everything though. I mean we put a hyper emphasis on it in golf. But I mean you look at the best athletes in the world, I mean they're cocky.
1: Yeah. I mean, oh, very straight. much. That. I
0: mean, yeah. And it's like, you know, there's that disdain. And there's, you know, I always hear people say too when, you know, I do exercises with them in practice where I'm like, I just want you to validate every shot you hit. Like, that's mm-hmm. so good. And they're like, well, I don't want to sound like a dick or whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, does it though? Like, for me to hit a shot, I'd just be like, wow, that was good. Is that really that bad? But everybody's so conditioned to just be like, oh, that shot was so bad. I did this mm-hmm. wrong. Um, it's so, so like, those easy to, me, to be.
1: Yeah. It's so easy. I don't know why, but especially in golf to, um, put way more weight on the bad than the good. Um, you know, like I remember talking through something with one of my swing coaches and, um, you know, you put things in, you know, this like square and it was like, okay, good shot, good result, good shot, bad result, you know, or like bad swing, good result, bad swing, bad result. And it was like, how do you, you know, and everyone kind of you know, reacts a different way to different ones. And, you know, initially I went to the, like, you know, the bad swings, you know, and being like, well, I feel like I should just get a bad result because it was a bad swing or, you know, a lot of it was me trying to relearn how did I respond to certain shots. Um, And so that was like a big thing for me to be able to like learn to more quickly let things go um, and not put as much weight into certain results. Um, you know, and there's that whole harp on like, Hey, if you were fully a hundred percent committed, like I talk to this to junior players all the time, like, and you, you know, did everything and you were super confident going into swing, then like the rest is history, you know, like whether it was a good shot and it ended up poorly or a good shot and you have a birdie pot or whatever the deal is. Um, And that is something that's really hard to tap into. And I think that if junior players or any player collegiately can like know that your mindset takes as much work as it does every other aspect of your game. I think sometimes players think that it's just going to kind of get groomed and matured, but it's a muscle, just like anything else that you're working on. Um, And I feel like it's the hardest one to really be disciplined at. And, you know, like a Tiger Woods or some of the other ones, um, other great players that you kind of marvel at they've just done a very good job of making that a very like primal part of their practice is tapping into that mindset like you said like always giving yourself that validation always kind of like reinstating what you do really well um so then you know that's been like a groomed habit over the years so then when you are in those you know top positions where you're you know wanting to win majors or national championships or state AMS or, you know, junior club championships, whatever it is, like, it's not, um, I guess, like, you've kind of set yourself up for success at that point. You don't really feel like the certain pressure if you're, like, living for those moments instead of being like, ooh, you know, haven't been in these shoes before. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think that was something that was really great when I was at Alabama, you know, my coach, Mick Potter and, and JC well on the men's side, like they did a really incredible job of always tapping into, um, our mindset and how we like approached every day, every practice, every qualifier, um, and how we, you know, evaluated, you know, a, a tournament or our stats and stuff. So we were constantly, you know, working that, I guess you could say like mindset muscle for ourselves and grooming ourselves to to being great instead of, you know, I think it's something that you can easily just be like, oh, you know, I, I you know, just wasn't with it that day. But I mean, had you been working on it in practice? I, I it's just, I, I wish that somebody, had kind of told me that when I was a junior, I think I could even have like a little bit more of a heads up because I feel like I just, was learning stuff as I went and different situations I was putting myself in as a junior player. Um, You know, I think I look back and there were some days where I felt like I did a really good job with my mental approach. And there were some days that weren't that good, you know, but it's like, how can you make it a little bit more consistent, I guess?
0: Yeah. Um, So it's interesting because I'm looking at like your Alabama bio and it looks like you're, you were successful right from the bat. Um, and actually talked to, um, I, I, you know, I didn't actually look at the years you were there, but I talked to Corey Witsett recently too. Um, he oh, yeah. had a little bit of a different <laughs> kind of story. He seemed like through his years, he was declining, um, and already pretty, you know, in a pretty bad state trying to make it professionally. Um, it was a really good talk. Like he's, he was a great dude, but, um, yeah, so I don't awesome. know. Did your guys time overlap?
1: Yeah, he was my, he was my year or maybe the year, I think he was my year. I mean okay maybe he I thought, was, I, was learning, close, I mean but... he was we were there together for sure um yeah, yeah he's awesome he's an awesome guy
0: yeah but we were talking about some of the you know some of the stuff he did but I, I'd really be curious on the women's side too like you know how your practices were set up um you know even how the team dynamic was
1: yeah i you know i feel like i was super lucky because i went there and the team was incredible everybody that was there wanted to play professionally and everybody that played on the team that was competing between i want to say besides maybe like one player played on a played professionally somewhere one was in australia we had a couple european tours some metro tour um we still have a handful that are on the lpj now um so i think it makes it, it probably was you know, some of the easiest for a coach because we were all very self-driven and we, you know, drove each other. Our practices, um, we had, Mick was great. Mick um, and Susan were an amazing duo. I had the literally the, the best experience. Um, we did qualifying, but not like a ton, um, but we, he liked to play a lot, So even if we weren't doing like um, qualifying, we would always have like some playing on the weekends. If we didn't have like recruits in um, doing like certain games and we would always have, we always had practice practice and we'd always have something structured that we had to complete. But he also knew that we were our own individual working on our own things. And he, the one thing he did do really well is he was a good set of eyes. He was super knowledgeable of the game of the swing. Um, So he was a good set of eyes for our swing coaches. Um, So, you know, we had to get all the things done that he had set up. Um, And then we had to have a plan for each week of what we were wanting to accomplish. So, and then we were able to go off and, you know, do that. Whether it's like we want to go out on the course and work on something or set up some drills. If we needed him to set something up for us, you know, he always did it. And he was very good about gearing things for like upcoming tournaments. So I remember we had like a like we had like a short game area but it could go back to like 140ish yards so like if we knew we had a couple par 3s at this tournament that were going to be roughly around certain distances he'd make us go play that or he'd have the big net set up on the driving range um you know tight golf courses he set up like kind of like fairway drills that we'd have to work on like our visualization um you know, into seeing that and putting ourselves, you know, like we were already trying to, he was already working our mind to get ready for a tournament. You know, that's what you're always Mm -hmm. doing. You're trying to gear your Mm -hmm. game up for that. So, um, it it was phenomenal. And we practice a lot alongside the guys. I think it's changed a little bit now,
2: probably. Um,
1: we won. So, we won the national championship my senior year and the guys finished second and they ended up winning the next year, but I always laugh. And I'm like, I think, it, I think that did JC well. And after that, he wanted to separate the girls and the guys, <laughs> um, but no, it was, it was great. And the guys team was phenomenal at that point too. You know, we had um, Justin Thomas and Bud Colley and Trey Mullinax who just win, and um, Bobby Wyatt and Corey Woodson mm. and Hunter Hamrick, who's now the assistant coach there it was awesome. And so like, you know, obviously there was phenomenal guys there too. So the girl, we learned a lot from each other. I mean, I, I learned a ton of short game creativity from the guys. Um, and I mean, we just lived and breathed over there. I mean, we would go to our early morning workouts, we'd go to class and then I literally would just like pick up lunch and I'd be at the golf course until, you know, whenever, until I had to go to like study hall or get back to do homework. And, um, it was just, it was a, some of my best memories for sure.
0: So what, I mean, was most of your college experience, um, I got from the game side, like positive, or did you have some lows?
1: I definitely had some lows. I started going through like a fairly bigger swing change. My kind of like end of my, I was kind of like working on like a little bit of a grip change, um, and kind of working through some things in my swing that I knew I really needed to like stick it out for like the longevity, um, and I finally was getting like strong enough. I don't think I really would have been able to capitalize on it if I tried to do it, you know, earlier as like a junior. But I, you know, I was I was physically strong enough and, and was doing it and I kind of lows there like in my sophomore year. But like I said, I've always been good to like kind of you know uh see the long term. And I think that's also very hard for golfers. I think you always are looking at like instant like successes and instant gratifications. Um, and wanting to, it's not, and it is very, (laughs) I mean, I say that, and it is very challenging in golf. Like, you work really hard on something and you really want like instantaneous, like positive results, and that's not how it's gonna, you know, pan out. And so, I I did have a very, you know, and I had great accountability, you know, like I, with my coaches and stuff, knowing that I was like headed in the right direction. And, and, um, my junior and senior years were awesome. Um, I was, I was never really. Rank too much out of like I guess like even like the top ten those like couple years, but I I do know like my fall of my junior year I was getting like just really mentally pissed off because I was putting myself in the lead individually, and our team was like rock solid, and I was putting myself individually in the lead and was just never closing it. Um, and I remember talking to Nick, I you know I did it like almost every event, and I ended up winning the I don't know if it was like our last one or to that one, um, in North Carolina. And I just remember telling Nick, like, I, I'm getting in my own way going into the last day. And I really had to like, kind of work through that. And that was kind of like when I did win, that was kind of a breakthrough for me. Um, because I, I feel like sometimes winning can come really quickly for some people. And I think at certain levels as a junior, I was able to kind of get there at a certain point and kind of have that breakthrough moment and that validation. And And I was putting myself in a lot of chances when I was in college and I just wasn't kind of getting to that breakthrough validation. And, um, I just, I'm really happy that I made it through on the other side.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. So this is the question that just, I guess always burns my head and I don't want to take any offense to this, but, um, you're literally the best driver of the ball in the, like the the world. Why the (laughs) swing change?
1: Um, I didn't become the best driver in the world really until after my swing change in college.
0: Oh, okay. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. So I kind of, well, I mean, I was still, no, I mean, I was still (laughs) doing a very, I was still, I was still driving the ball well, obviously throughout my whole collegiate career, but it was definitely not something that was going to, um, it wasn't like when I was playing professionally and I was just trying to gain all this distance and like, you know, adding length to my driver and, you know, changing how I was hitting yeah. up on, you know, really um, doing stuff like that. It was more, um, it was almost going to even make it better when I was in college, I was trying to come into the ball, you know, at a better like attacking angle, And, you know, I, I definitely thought like a little bit of a stronger grip, you know, kind of a typical younger yeah. girl, junior, you know, a little bit on the inside and, Um, I, my thing was, I always had, I had to rely on timing a lot and I wanted to take a little bit of that away.
0: So, um, so what, what historically, um, I guess, have you worked on with your swing? Was it mostly the same stuff or, I mean, I I mean, I know you went through a change, but like leading up to that stuff were you kind of always working on the same kind of set of fundamental stuff, or I mean, were you that player that like one day you would be over the top and the next day you're underneath?
1: Ah uh, no, I was definitely like, hey, and I think that's one thing too. Like, I, I quickly learned what my misses were, um, so I could almost be my own like self coach a little bit. That definitely took some time. I, when I had my back, um, when I was younger, it was more like kind of like set up stuff. Um, you know, we like to say like hump the ball. I would kind of like do that. So if I kind of like would stay in posture a little bit better, um you know, and do like a couple of those drills and I'd be good to go was very much. And that's too why you can have that built in confidence. Like I knew, I knew when it kind of got off, I knew when I needed to go home, I knew what I needed to work on. And then I was like, okay, I've, I've, you know, done this and I'm good to go. I, when I had a um, back injury on tour, it was crazy. I, um, I I was never over the top ever in my life. And ever since I kind of went through that, I I really struggled with that. Um, I was almost borderline someone that would get like even a little bit laid off before that, but yeah. And then I just, I was pretty lost there from that position. I'd never been there, um, ever, but, you know, I had a little bit more physical, um, limitations at that point and kind of like relearning that, um, I guess I'm kind of, was kind of starting to get into that when I when we got pregnant with our first Lucy and then I went back out with her um and then um got pregnant with Jackson and then it's been COVID and all the things I laugh and say that I've totally tested the LPGA maternity leave because I got pregnant with um Jackson and then you know obviously we had um quarantine but then I was still technically on maternity when we were pregnant with Palmer so I'm still on that maternity leave but Oh, yeah.
0: interesting. Wow. Yes. Now, you just said hump the ball.
1: <laughs> I know. I know. I feel like you... I shouldn't have said that on a podcast. <laughs> no,
0: I don't care. But the reason I laugh is the only person I've ever heard say that is Scott Hamilton. Do you know Scott?
1: Oh, that was my spin coach. That's why I have okay.
0: it. Okay. I was yeah. going to ask you because <laughs> you know, he would always be like, man, that guy's humping it. You know?
1: <laughs> like, uh, that's exactly that's why it's all over That's play. exactly why it. I have that for us. He's my favorite human oh, being gosh. on the planet. Yes. Yeah, so he, um, has been my coach since i mean he's he laughs at me he's been with me since with back injuries and babies he's like brooke oh my goodness um, that was for him ball me all the drills so yes i have my i have that term from him you can yeah give him all I the can, credit
0: i can listen to scott <laughs> talk all day long like i absolutely love that guy
1: <laughs> oh he's amazing
0: yeah no that's cool i i you know i didn't know that but um So, so going from, well, first of all, I guess like when you were getting ready to go into college and that recruiting process, like, what was that like? I mean, was that stressful for you or did it kind of fall into your lap? Like you had a bunch of offers like Corey, you know, he's like, yeah, I mean, I could have gone pretty much (laughs) anywhere in the country. Like, well, that doesn't seem that stressful, but some people, you know, by sophomore, junior, they're really freaked because they don't know what they're going to do.
1: Yeah, though so the rules were different than when Corey and I were going through it. And I feel like it was it was even younger. So I I was stressed. Um I, you know, having three sisters, a lot was kind of just like I had to take care of a lot of things, you know. Um I I I did have like the choice to go kind of go where I wanted to go. So like there was that freedom there. I built up a junior resume. Um And I visited like everywhere. I visited out in California, Arizona, uh, North Carolina, um, a lot of the schools, you know, in the SEC, but really what sold me was Mick Potter at Alabama. So, you know, I, you know, I didn't know I was young too. I mean, I verbally committed when I was um, early sophomore. Um, And so I didn't even, I remember going on like my first visit and I didn't even know what like hours and credits were. I was like, what? You know, cause I was just used to like what, you know, like the high school ways. But I, I encourage going on like visits and kind of just like walking through whether it is like for a visit or just like going through and walking through campus. Because at my, at that point, you know my whole family had gone to Tennessee and like the black sheep of the family that uh, you know, they finally have a college athlete and I go to their arch rival Alabama. But you know, in my head, like all big universities were like, UT like admits like the city and all that stuff and you know and I I got to kind of look at different facilities learn a little bit about different coaching and you know that I I had someone tell me like some great advice when I was that young or tell our parents and it was like you know if you're thinking that you do want to turn pro or you really want to see how far you can be taken in this game then you really need to be asking and looking at the right things like find a coach that has produced players to tour, like that are getting better. And I like love their experience. And, you know, that like really hit home for me. And I always bonded really well with male um, leadership and coaching. Like I'd always had male swing coaches and like I've always had males and there's nothing against that. It's just like, I really, I responded really well to that. So, um, you know, I really hit it off with Mick and at the time he had just um, left Furman and had transferred to um, Alabama and two of his girls had transferred to just be under him and the transfer process looked a lot different back then than it does now so they lost a bunch of credits you know you're going from like a prestigious Furman to you know an Alabama but they really just admired and wanted to be under him and like no one had left him or transferred under him um, at that point and he had produced like the, either the most amount of p- women to the LPGA or like kind of the highest value, like that have been the most successful on the LPGA, either, like Dottie Pepper and all that stuff. And so I just knew that going to, I could have gone to a higher ranked program at that time. Um, but I knew, and I mean, Alabama was still, I think like in the top twenties after, you know, when his two girls had transferred with him, but I just wanted to be one of the players that was going to help build that program to be the best instead of someone else that was just, you know, you know, another girl, like on, um, like a Duke team or like a Southern cow or something like that. I wanted to be a part of something really special and, you know, it ended up working out really well that way. So I just, I really, um, I'm really thankful that someone had told me, you know, to kind of look a little bit deeper. I mean, I was, you know, who would have known I, I was just a sophomore in high school. I didn't know really what I was looking at.
0: Mm-hmm. well and who does i mean really right we expect these kids like i hear people ask these kids all the time like oh what do you want to do like what do you want to major in I'm like who the hell knows at 15 yeah <laughs> Yeah. You know. unless but, you're like okay. oh i
1: just want to be a doctor or something i don't really know but then you know you can't judge. i don't know yeah, yeah i didn't know what I, I wanted at all
0: no i was just yeah anyway so all right so now getting back out on, on a tour so did you go did you make a straight in from college?
1: I did. Um, thankfully, I they had a thing where if you were like one of the top five ranked in college, you got some metro tour status. Mm-hmm. Um, so right when I got out of college, it was like a whirlwind. So I, I we played the national championship um, and we had we had just won. And I literally got in the car. I couldn't even like stay to celebrate. My mom and I drove up to Michigan and I had the 36 hole USAM qualifier. Um, or U.S. Open qualifier, excuse me, um, and played that, made it through, and then drove straight down to Tuscaloosa and flew out, not the next day, but the next day to go to Scotland for a Curtis Cup, and then played it. I was there for like two weeks, and then came back, and like a week later so so was the U.S. Open, and that was my professional debut, and then after the U.S. Open, I played um, symmetric events up until like Q school started. So I was really thankful to, you know, have been in that position to where, um, you know, I was already kind of, you know, building my confidence and knowing that, knowing that like I was, I was, you know, how it took to be out there and I was where I wanted to be and um, kind of fed that into Q school and, you know, made it through first stage, second stage. And then uh, I went to finals and my now husband caddied for me at finals. He says that was like the make breaker for us um and I don't I don't even remember what I finished at Q school I mean you have to be top 20 to get like your full full card and then right after Q school I flew straight to we flew straight to Taiwan I played this like world event over there and uh, I just remember it like kind of all hitting home because you know everyone was over there you had you know like Christy Kerr and Michelle Wee and Brittany Lincecumbe and Paula Kramer and all you know Jessica Korda and um all that and it, it was just it was just kind of like a cool experience because i'd just gotten through q school and like just kind of being thrown into that and i could just really enjoy that it was one of those oh my gosh the weather was horrible it was like monsooning over there and the, the, the course was like on the side of a mountain and i was just like i don't even care where i finish i'm just like relieved because i know where i'm going to be playing like next year and it was the end of the season for those girls anyway so they were just kind of it was just a fun experience and and then um um, not even that much longer way first event was in australia so it was um a good bit of traveling there for within like right after making it through so it was fun
0: so what was it like uh, from a personal standpoint i guess being being out there did you feel like you were meant to be there or did you feel like kind of that intimidation seeing some of those more star players like you know i know um, that's probably not easy
1: No, I didn't really feel any intimidation. I think a little bit of that was because some of the girls out there I had played against in college or had seen some of them, you know, that were having like a little bit of successes. Um, So there was a little bit of that comfort of just like, you know, kind of knowing um, some people out there. I, I definitely wanted to, you know, kind of, I say this and I kind of say this to a lot of people is like, you know, really find like the, like your team, you know, and I had like such a great team around me of people that, you know, believed in me and pushed me. And, you know, just like a lot of that, like, you know, believe in positivity put around me when I was at Alabama. And then I feel like when I was fully a rookie on tour, I was the only rookie that was like traveling completely by myself you know, like someone either had like a, you know, a significant other or a family member, or like a really dear friend that was catting for them, or had like somebody traveling with them to kind of help them with, you know, kind of getting acquainted. Um, So I went from having all that to like being fully thrown out there. Um, And I really, I really miss that. And I feel like if I, you know, could go back and do it all over, I would have tried to like find my team, out there you know before i even kind of got kick-started i think that would have you know having that support network would have been huge i mean Mick potter loves to tell the story of i had just um you know it was like my fourth week in a row on the road i was a rookie you know i missed some cuts and you know i'm booking a lot of my travel i was booking all my travel by myself um you know trying to you know stay in host housing if i could um, and I had flown into uh, San Diego and my flight got delayed and I get there and they have like a thing on tour like because you know you had issues if you're under 25 with rental cars but they have like a code for you and I get to the rental car place and um, they were like shutting down and they didn't you know take the code or whatever And it was gonna be like over $700 so I was like no this isn't right and She was like, I just had to take like a taxi to like the host housing. And I just remember calling Nick and I was like crying. I was like, I apologize for ever complaining to you, waiting for you to bring me the rental car while we're waiting, you know, like at the airports. I remember we used to just like give Nick and Susan so much crap because they would go get like the rental vans and stuff to come pick us up. And we'd be like, what took so long, you know? And I'm like, (laughs) I apologize for all of that because (laughs) this sucks. (laughs) And he was like dying. He was like, I'm going to tell... All my girls that want to turn pro, what it's really like. And I'm like, I mean, I'll I'll call them right now and I'll tell them, Coach, I'm gonna tell them that they better be nice to you and not be (laughs) bitching and complaining because (laughs) it's
2: horrible.
0: (laughs) No doubt. Yeah, I mean, you gotta have a team out there, like that's such a hard thing Mm -hmm. to be on the road and doing that stuff by yourself. I mean, I have some players at Sumetra, Corn Fairy, stuff like that that do that. I mean, they have you know, obviously acquaintances out there, but my god, is that a grind?
1: it, it, it was, it definitely turned to that. And I, I would say like anybody that's like wanting to go out there and like, find like find your people, like really have a great relationship with your swing coach or like with you, or, you know, if you do have someone that can go out there and caddy with you or travel to even just a couple of tournaments, just so you have just, something you know like I was so used to having you know my mom and my grandfather would even come to watch a lot of our college tournaments and like out there you know you're playing so much all around like they couldn't really come watch and um it was and I was just kind of you know I had a couple of caddies that first year you know that I just got out there that were like you know highly recommended and um but you know it wasn't like a a good friend or anything like that and I would try to go see my swing coach um you know, and off weeks when I could. And, and that was a big changer too. Cause I started working with Joe Hallett when I was out there and he traveled a lot to so the weeks like he was out there. You would see him out there almost like every single week. And so like that, you know, that really helped me too, to, to kind of have that validation. It wasn't like I finally get an off week. And instead of being able to be home to like rest and refresh, I would, you know, be traveling to, you know, at the time I was traveling to sea Island and, um, you know, doing that. So it was just, you know,
0: you had to constantly be on, Well, that's, that's an interesting one on, on the tour, especially as I feel like, and I'm not saying this about anybody in particular, but there's definitely people that kind of hover out there looking for somebody struggling to try to pick them up as clients. (laughs) Um, you know, so it's easy to, I mean, yeah, you're the tour player, but I've just seen it for so long. It's easy if you're struggling to just say, oh, this guy's out here and, and grab somebody. So I think people can get lost real quick in that too.
1: Oh Yeah. And I mean, when you're in that situation, that's the first thing. I mean, when you're, I, I mean, it's easy. I mean, you're in a vulnerable situation. It's our, like, you know, our life and our livelihood, and so much is like wrapped into it. And you, you know, you kind of are quickly into like a search mode, and the right person can say the right thing, and you know, there you go.
0: Yeah, you know, a term I I use pretty much daily is um, player envy. Um, I think this is like kind of the one that just again, in my experience from just coaching for so long now, it's like, I I typically see the ones that start looking at what everybody else is doing and try to mimic that. Like, Mm -hmm. like again, like you said, you you were so good at what you were good at and thrived off that. But it's so easy to see, you know, again, somebody hitting it so much further and be like, I got to chase that. Or, you know, this new swing styles out there, like, what are they doing? Let me try that. And I feel
1: like so many, oh my gosh, that's, Yes, and I feel like so many <laughs> golfers are like a little bit of like a tinker, and they want to like try that kind of stuff out. Um, I, I mean, and and yeah, it, there's so much of that in the out there. I mean, and whatever it, the the best at that point, whoever is doing that and doing it really well. I mean, hey, like Bryson DeChambeau out here is you know like testing the limits with you know kind of combining um you know long hitters with this and then all of a sudden all these other guys are you know trying to to do it too I mean it's you're that's a trend that's not ever really going to go away and then the Mm -hmm. thing is is every you know golfer at that point is going to go back and be like wow you know like why didn't I just stick to what I was really good at um yes I I mean I look back and I'm like. Wow, I wish I had just kind of stuck to that. But I'm thinking at some point in my career, I probably would have hit that at at any point because, you know, statistically I was looking at, hey, I want to be a winner out here, but I don't want to necessarily be a winner. Like I want my game to be great in the majors. And there was definitely a divide on tour and how the majors were set up at that point. And I just thought that if I could have just a, I wasn't like searching for a lot, just like a little bit. A little bit more length um because you know I was kind of like breaking that down and you know it wasn't like I was going to the gym and trying to you know put on whatever I was just trying to find and and that was I mean just that even teeny bit of change was what took me you know really away from what I was great at I I think I was always chased I got into that like kind of chase mode um And like I said, it's easy since I'm, I'm removed from it to kind of see that a little bit more clearly. I wish I could have gone back and just been like, Hey, I am going to be one of the best drivers out here and my iron distance control. I mean, I had a a solid short game too, but you know, I, I was able, I I had, you know, one thing that was really good too, was that I I had a go-to shot. So, you know, if my irons didn't feel well, like I, I had this like controlled kind of, you know, off speed swing that I could go to and it worked, you know, worked pretty much like every time. Like I knew I could get it around and have like a really solid round with that. And that was, it wasn't like that was what left me when I was trying to get more distance with my driver and trying to swing up on it. It was just kind of like when I didn't and you don't have your A game a lot. And that's like a lot of times with junior players too is like you don't, you know, like how many times have you played and have the perfect number, you know, um for like a club or like all that kind of stuff. Um and so the one thing that I always really went back to had, you know, wasn't that sharp. So yeah, well, I could have, should have.
0: No, I mean, I get it because it's like, you want to get better. Yeah. You know, you want to get better. You want to perform better. And it's like, you know what, especially at your level is so fine mm-hmm. of a detail. Yeah. You know, cause you I you mean, I look back to- and
1: I'm like, I still probably would have done it. Um, yeah. cause I wanted to be, I wanted to be great at the majors and, you know, a lot of it was like, Hey, if I could just carry it, like, you know, this much further then I would take out, you know, I would take out a lot, you know, I mean, there was, we had the U.S. Open at, um, Shinnecock and literally every single fairy bunker. I mean, that's how they set it up for you. I mean, they kind of set it up for like the average distances out there. And I mean, like every single fairy bunker was trouble for me, but, you know, a couple of the girls that I played with that could it or have that little extra ump I mean you know they could go over them and, and take different angles and do different things so they were looking at a little bit different of a setup that played in their favor um and there you have it there was player envy I'm like gosh like if only you know like instead of me you know finding and that thing too is not every golf course that's up great for every player either um, um you know, like a lot of the top win their most in certain stretches. Um, and there were definitely some courses out on tour that really, you know, the, the more strategic, um, more narrow golf courses really played in my favor. Um, the ones that weren't just like the bomber courses. Um, so those are the ones that I always really succeeded in or the ones that were kind of more linked with win because I had that like off speed shot, like that punch shot that I was you know, really sharp out at that time. So, but
0: I get it. the women's game seems like it's just gotten so long in the last, like just even couple of years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I have, uh, I have one player specifically I have on track, man. Uh, she played at Wisconsin and now she's trying to make a run. She's starting to play her first couple WAPTs, but, um, I mean, she's, I have her on video on track, man, hitting it over 300 multiple times. I'm like, that's crazy.
1: And it, the thing is, is like now with, you know because trackman was coming around and it's just gonna keep changing the name of like the face of the game because it's like it was kind of coming around when i was getting into college and it's really changed like recruiting too because like now all these coaches are really trying to see like power and speed um because now you can kind of quanti you can quantify you know like hey if i have you know even two more miles per hour swing speed it's gonna you know fly i don't know four or five more yards or like now you can kind of put this goal in mind or you know I, I feel like junior players now like you ask them like they can tell you they can't tell you certain things about your game but they sure as that can tell you what your swing speed and your ball speed and like uh-huh. all that kind of stuff and I mean like that wasn't really around and you know and that wasn't even the stuff we were you know now because it's been around so long coaches can take a lot of that data and use it in certain ways but I mean when when I was there it was uh, when they started in college it was very basic stuff you know like they were really learning about I mean, I was not using it for that at all. It was more like, you know, club path, face to path, like that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And now there are so many more things, um, that you can use. And I know that swing speed's been like a huge one. And now you've got all the different ones and gears, golf and, um, all the stuff, but I will say that I laugh and say with each little one I've had, I think my swing speed has gone down like five miles per hour. So I'm like minus 15 at this point with my three kiddos. Oh man. But yeah, the, the, the length of women's golf is, is incredible. Um, it's incredible.
0: What's the, do you, do you happen to know what the average is? Cause I had these TrackMan charts, um, you know before I moved to Chattanooga, I was in Chicago for a long time. So I had an indoor building. Um, yeah. and I had these those averages kind of posted up as on every hitting base so people could kind of see where they stacked up when they were practicing. Uh-huh. And at that point, the LPGA average carry distance was like two maybe two ten and like two thirty total. And for I'm a driver like, I'm looking at that yeah no I'm at that, like i don't know if that's real
1: that was very well that was probably even put together before so like the lpga has come a long ways because we didn't have you know the trackmans and stuff out there like the pga tour does and so like we mm-hmm. like to tell people i'm like even the distances that they had for us were very skewed because what they did was is we would just take a couple holes at each tournament and they would have a spotter out there that would you know you would you knew which one was the driving distance hole because they had like the distances lined up against the side of the fairways but you know it was very skewed like you could hit it in the trees left and it dropped straight down and they're putting that down like 180 yards you know so like you didn't have a very um like the data was not very valid I mean it's come a long way since then but um the funny thing is is I don't know if this was subconsciously if I really wanted to try to it on those holes, but like I notoriously would miss the fairways of the driving
0: distance holes. Um, Interesting.
1: and yeah, so I, I mean, it hadn't been there, uh, subconsciously my caddy and I would make like jokes about it, but I mean, there was even a couple courses that were very undulated or, um, you know, very hilly. So there really weren't even great holes to even try to get that data. Um, like I remember one course, they had to get one on like the front nine and the back nine and one they had like uphill. So it was basically just how far you carried. And then on the back nine, it was a little bit of like a runner downhill. So if you got like the, like the fast shoot, you know, you could have like a over 300 yard drivers, you know, on the front nine, it was, you know, 220 or 230 or whatever. But no, I would say that the average carry on the LPGA now where the driver is probably Say average 240. I would say average.
0: You think carry or total?
1: Uh, carry. I would say I would say two. Well, I say average 230. I always I'll go down. I'll say 230. Um, but there's so many that can carry it. Um a hand bit I'll give it farther. Yeah, I'll say that for sure. Um I would say iron like a seven iron carry average on tour is probably further than me for sure i'd say like 160
2: really
0: yeah. i mean i got a lot yeah. of high school girls that are hitting seven or it's 150 so it's like it's yeah. this has changed so much you know like i said just probably in the last 10 years Mm-hmm. Like it's just I remember those charts.
1: I remember seeing those like LPGA PGA once it hasn't. And I think too, just because of like how much more access to data and stuff there is now, and probably a little bit more accurate. Um, you know, I'm sure the LPGA, you know, even in this last year, so I'm not out there playing a tournament, but I mean, they were really wanting to try to put some, like a, the, the track man and stuff out there on the holes to get, you know, a little bit, you know, especially for the viewers to have, little bit more of that relation because I think you know the style of game that the LPGA players have is a lot more relatable you know to some great amateur men you know um Mm -hmm. I just know like coming home and I'm playing with some of the guys like I was sitting I mean they might be hitting a little bit further than me but pretty similar distances and I'm playing the same tees as them and um yeah I think that there is that but obviously there's that like awe of um what the the men can do and how far they can hit it and you know what their power and everything
0: what i really liked about those charts though i think the main reason i had them was um I'm i'm just a huge advocate of short game i just do tons of short game work so like launch angles with wedges is a big one for me because like i see people who are if someone tells me they're bad with a wedge like i can almost guarantee you that they're launching it too high like it's almost guaranteed they the launch it too high or the miss in the face, but when people get yeah. the launch under control, they usually get really good.
1: That's okay. Yeah. See, I didn't have, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I know that, but it was stuff that you kind of check in on when I was like out on, you know, already playing professionally, but I mean, like as a junior and stuff, it was kind of like, go out there and get creative and figure it out. Um, so I think there is that fine balance, especially for juniors is, you know, I think a lot of them miss that element of just learning how to play golf. And like, I see that all the time, at least now where it's like, they can get caught up in you know, trying to hit certain numbers or being in, you know, like the bay and in a very controlled environment and do it really well then. But, you know, at some point you got to learn how to, you know, get creative and get the ball in the hole as, you know, least amount of strokes. Um. And not just be like well i can do this with my swing coach and you know not do that there so i think there's that element of you know them getting out and just playing and getting competitive mm-hmm. and you know getting creative with their short game and, and doing a lot of things um because it's never a controlled environment um when right. you're out there playing
0: that's, uh, that's, so that's well put I, you know i've always i just i look at some of these kids like even some of the baylor kids um, on the team this year, I mean, they would be up on the range for like three hours. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know how you do that. Like I, I max yeah. out about 30 minutes. I just get bored. And again, if I'm, you know, if I were good and yeah, starting- did practice, like, I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need to be up here. Like, that's just exhausting. Maybe it's just because I'm older now, but um, yeah,
1: I mean, the biggest jump when you get to college is like your course management and decision-making abilities and your short game improve immensely. And a lot of it's because, you know, hopefully, you're under a coach in a program that's really putting emphasis on that, you know, sometimes junior players have never had people really tell them how to structurally practice or how to even, you know, kind of think their way through certain courses or why courses are designed this way. Um, You know, so there is like a little bit of that element of like getting these kids away from just trying to like, you know, I mean, it is great to be able to hit it super far and they go and they hit and they have access to track me and they do all stuff. And they're like, oh, I can fly it this much. And I'm like, yeah, but like, is that really going to help you, you know, win a golf tournament or, you know, Mm -hmm. what is like your end goal here? Um, That was, I mean, I've played with men that, you know, were I always played with people that were better than me. And I think that that plays a huge attribute. And I was always trying to learn stuff from other people, you know, like even in college, like the guys, like they were always competing and doing different shots. I mean, heck, um, but Collie and Trey Mullinax taught me how to hit like a proper flop shot because the, the parking lot was like right up to where like our little putting green thing was. And I was hitting them off of the pavement because I was like, just really learning how to use like the bounce and stuff. And I mean, Mm -hmm. I would have never done that before. Um, you know, it was just like a bunch of guys that we goofing off and hitting a lot of different shots and we'd go throw some in the trees and, you know, hit crazy, like, you know, punch draws and punch cuts and, you know, do all these things. I think that you can do these, but you got to get out there and, you know, play around and hit a lot of different clubs for different shots. And, learn how to you know work the face and learn how to move the ball and have i think you can learn a lot of confidence in that too
0: yeah um so earlier you said you used to hustle old men i did you got got any (laughs) good stories that you can share about that
1: um well i really learned some bad language at a pretty early age um (laughs) i learned that they all loved them uh, a cart girl but I, um, no, it was, it was clean. My grandfather made it so much fun. He's, you know, just was the apple of my eye. I lost him earlier this year. That was really, um, a hard time for me, but he, he would always do just like, you know, for a Coke and like a Snickers bar, but he had like a, a dog fight that I would like try to like play in and, you know, and that was fun because, you know, that kind of kept it competitive for me. I was kind of stepping out of my bubble. I was playing, you know, with like some different people. You know, I see that a lot too with junior players is they just go out and play with their friends all the time. And I didn't really, there weren't any other like young girls at that point, you know, like once I got to, you know, play high school at Baylor, there were some really great players. But um, I kind of had to find people to like play and, you know, keep me entertained. And then, you know, my husband, Derek, uh, Randy, who played professionally too, I always laugh, I'm like, he really taught me how to, you know, gamble and learned all the terms and pressing and all the stuff. Um, So I, have like I said, I always, I've always liked playing and competing um, with people that are better than me. And, you know, I, when I did turn pro, I wanted to come back here because there were a lot of really great guy golfers here, Mm -hmm. you know, like I could have moved to Florida and been around, you know, been around the girls I'm going to be with every single week. But, you know, like I had, I mean, Stephen Yeager and Paul Apian and Derek and you know, like all these people that were just phenomenal. And I had the best experience. And it was good for me to like step, and that was one thing you hear a lot on tours, like, you know, they, there there's no separation. Like I see these girls every single week, and then I come home and I'm practicing with them at the golf course. Um, so that was like a, you know, like a good mental kind of like checkaway for me.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Um, so last thing is um you know, I know you're, you've been awesome with talking to some of the girls that I'm fortunate to work with or even players, but so when you're mentoring younger players, like what's kind of the main things you're helping them with or giving them advice on?
1: Um, really, I do understand that the path to golf and the journey and their walk looks very different for like a lot of people. Um, and I just want them to, like I said earlier, like I had some, I had always at, at pivotal moments in my career. I had the right people put in my life at the right time that pushed me and believed in me. And I feel like if I could be that for even just one person that like they get older, whether they play in college where they wanted to play or had a great experience or maybe not, or, you know, even if they went on to play professionally and they look back and they were like, you know, that was pretty cool that, you know, like I, I remember Brooke talking to me about this and that, you know, I went on to play really great at this tournament or something like that would just mean the world to me um i'm definitely at this point now where golf has just given me so much in my life that i really wish that i can do that for the juniors that i'm around i i want to be a resource for many things it's not like i give them one specific you know word of advice or anything like that i mean I've, i've definitely seen every single level of this game um i've seen like the good the bad and the ugly and it's you know the love of my life I love golf but I want to be without limits whether they just want to be a soundboard if they want to vent if they need like words of encouragement if they need to find a a swing coach or if they you know just want somebody I think that there's a limit or there's like a I think that they can relate to somebody or um that's been through it and I'm not you know too far out of junior golf and college golf and stuff so I like to be, be that for somebody. Cause I mean, I remember when I was a junior, you know, I felt like I could only say so much to my parents, you know, you kind of hit that point where you're like, mm-hmm. you know, you know more than them. <laughs> and then, um, you know, your swing coach is obviously like your biggest cheerleader, but you have that too. But it's like, you know, I wanted to like go talk to somebody about like, you know, confidence levels or, you know, anything like that.
0: Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, Brooke, thanks. I appreciate it. I don't want to keep you too much longer this evening. But, uh, <laughs> th- uh, honestly, thanks for coming on. I, I could talk to you for like two more hours about this stuff. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> thank you so I much. Really I, I will was, come yeah. on
1: another time and you can pick my brain on anything else. I um, I truly do love this. And I know that you are doing an amazing job in helping a lot of, a lot of players. I've heard nothing but unbelievable stuff. So you're yeah, a rock thank star.
0: You. I appreciate that. <laughs> Hey, thank you so much for listening to the end of this episode. I hope you got some incredibly good stuff out of this. It would be awesome if you really find value in this podcast you drop us a five-star review, uh, leave a comment. It really helps continue to grow, helps us get great guests on the show, which essentially is going to bring you some of the best information that is the journey of Behind the Swing is to get the absolute best out of these people, players, coaches, fitness people, you know, whoever we can find that's going to give you great information to help you grow in your golf game. So again, thank you for following us. We'll see you in that next episode.